Hi everyone! Welcome to another episode of And Then It Hit Me. I'm your co-host, Francis Rose. And I'm your co-host, Lindsay. Today we have a special guest, Meredith DeRuder. She is my friend going back all the way to elementary school. And oh, wow. I'm so excited we got the opportunity to connect again. Yeah. Hi. Welcome. Hi, everybody. I'm Meredith Ruder. I am, as Lindsay said, I went to elementary school with Lindsay, and I now am a elementary school teacher. Awesome. That was always her dream. Her parents are both teachers, so she followed their footsteps. <laughs> well, congratulations on pursuing <laughs> <Thank> your you. <laughs> dreams. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Meredith. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your journey I've heard a little bit about you from Lindsay, and we find you truly inspiring. But for those listening, would you kindly introduce yourself and share your full story with us? That's so kind of you to say. Um, My story is a little different than what you guys have talked about on the podcast. I haven't experienced a physical trauma. Um, I struggle with some mental health issues. So in the past two years, I was diagnosed with anxiety. Um, It was sort of, I think, something that's been there my whole life. I've always been sort of categorized as a worrier. Um, And in the past two years, I switched jobs and really had a hard time at my new school. And um, I wasn't sure what it was. And then I went to the doctor and because I wasn't sleeping and I was having a hard time sort of getting out of bed and getting to work. And it turned out that I was struggling with anxiety and I had never had that word associated with it. And once we had a sort of a label on it, it's been something I've been able to deal with. And um, it has an impact on my life in a way that I didn't really expect. Um, I love my job, I love going to work, but there was sort of this barrier um, to me being successful, getting there and sort of being the best teacher I could be. And anxiety is something that um, is coming into the conversation now with mental health. And it was something that I was able, once we had that diagnosis, sort of to deal with it and learn from it and live with it. Right. So tell us, how was your life before the diagnosis of anxiety and how has it changed your life? So my life didn't change a whole bunch from the diagnosis itself. I think it was the idea of putting the label on something that had been going on for a long time that I had kind of been ignoring. Mm, Um, I always just thought, I'm a worrier. This is just sort of teaching can be a stressful job. This is what I'm sort of predisposed to. And then understanding that it wasn't... Um, there was something more going on. It wasn't just that I get stressed out easily. It's that there was actually something happening in my body that was making it hard to um, function the way I had. And once I had the diagnosis, then it's opened up the conversation of, well, how do we deal with that? And so for me, that looked like going um, to therapy. So I do cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, um, which is with a social worker. And that um, has really helped. And it's, given me a way to manage what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, The sort of interesting thing about it is there wasn't an event that obviously triggered going from being relatively okay to really struggling with anxiety. Um, But I think it was just something that was always there. Mm -hmm. And for some reason it came out then and having therapy has really helped me manage it, but it's still something I deal with. I mean, last week we went back to school yes. and um, that's always a really First stressful time. Of course. Yes. And that's sort of what I always thought it was, was just being nervous about going back, but um, it was more than that. And so being, knowing what it is and being able to give a name to it has really helped me manage it mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But there are still times where like, I won't 
um, go out to a social event or I won't um, um, have a lot of sort of confidence surrounding what's happening and it's that's sort of anxiety in the back of your mind definitely yeah, yeah. bringing that to the forefront if that makes sense yeah now what triggered it for you it's so hard to know um, I went through a really big change um, I got I, w- I had worked at a school and I moved to another school that was amazing but I was starting in the middle of the year um, I didn't know anybody on that mm-hmm. staff it was a new grade it was just a lot of change at the time I also and this sounds so silly but I always have considered myself a very healthy person and I got I got very the, active yeah <laughs> um, and I got I got strep strep throat a few months before that and I kind of stopped going to the gym which is we always talk about the connection between mental health and mm, yeah um, f- and physical wellness and I stopped going to the gym because I got strep throat and then I think everything just sort of came together at once and I was really I was really struggling but didn't have the words to articulate what was going on because it was still like I was still doing the same job my yep. marriage was the same I still had the same group of friends so the only thing that really changed was this school but Really, in hindsight, I had stopped going to the gym. I had lost mm. a support system I had had at the other school where I had worked with people I knew really well. Oh, okay. So I think, yeah, it's it's an odd one because there's nothing really, there's not an event I can point to. Like, I, like right. you guys talk about amazing, um, like these intense traumatic events you went through and there wasn't anything like that, which I think is um, true maybe for some people who go through mental health. Yeah. Not everybody. Right. But, well, there need, yeah. definitely needs to be more awareness around mm-hmm. mental health now. For sure. Absolutely. And what do you do now to, to, to function on a daily basis? What do you do differently to cope with it? Absolutely. So therapy, going to CBT has really helped with that. So cognitive behavior therapy is all about what is happening internally in your brain. So we have these things called um, core beliefs and automatic thoughts. So something happens and we immediately a thought comes into our brain, usually based on our core beliefs, how we see ourselves, what happened in our childhood. And if those are negative or sort of fear-based in the sense, anxiety comes from, I'm not going to be able to handle this. Something is going to happen and I'm not going to be able to handle it appropriately or to the extent that I want to. So CBT is working on focusing on what those automatic thoughts are. So what's the first thing that comes into your brain and how do we switch that? Um, So mindfulness is the best way to do this so being aware of what am I thinking what am I feeling and working to change that and it's really hard to change that because we've spent so much of our life um, thinking about ourselves in a certain way yeah and not giving um, not giving time to focus on what we're actually first thinking so spending time doing that is how I deal with anxiety right when I start Mm -hmm. feeling something Mm -hmm. take a pause why am I feeling this way right how do I manage that in a better way? And it's not always easy. But So really trying to understand it first before dealing with it. Absolutely. Got you're it. absolutely right. Okay. Describe to us what your recovery process looked like. I understand that you're still going through it, yeah. but how was it when you were first diagnosed and how is it today? And how do you see yourself down the line? Absolutely. Um, so it's ongoing. I think with mental health, um, anything that falls under that mental health umbrella, like we talk about addiction and people always use the word recovering. Um, I don't know that anxiety will ever fully go away from my life because I think in hindsight it's always been there. Um, So as I'm going through recovery, the thing I need to remember is, for example, therapy. So I started going to therapy and then I stopped because I felt like, yeah, I've got a hold of this. I've gotten better. And then things sort of took a turn again. So making sure 
like therapy for me I go about twice a month more or less depending on what's going on Um, but continuing to go to therapy is the biggest help for me um, because it's sort of a check-in with a third party and someone outside there that can check in and say how are you doing Mm -hmm. Um, also for me I know it's all about connection so my husband has been an amazing support in all of this and when I'm in a place where I'm really anxious he's very good at sort of saying take a minute what's going on like let's figure this out absolutely and I'm also really lucky I have two really like two of my best friends both had been to therapy before me and were very helpful in understanding that therapy is not scary it's not bad it doesn't mean that I no negative stigma around it absolutely um and that's I think a big for sure shift that we need to have is that going to therapy is a good thing um and it's helpful yep yeah what would you say is your biggest obstacle I think with mental health, my big, I am my biggest obstacle, right? <laughs> That's um, fair. Yeah. So I let myself get into that stress cycle and that focus of like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really scary or this is really hard. And um, I need to work on taking that time, taking the break, checking in. Yeah. yeah. And what did you say then? What would you say then is the most helpful? Being aware of how we're feeling. Um, um, again, as a teacher, when you work with young people, they have an even harder time with that emotional regulation. Um, and so being able to recognize how you're feeling and understanding that all of anything you're feeling is valid, even negative emotions are okay. Mm -hmm. That's not the problem. It's what we do with those emotions and those feelings after. So if I'm feeling, um, overwhelmed, that's okay, but I need to make sure I'm not responding in stress or, um, in a way that's negatively impacting me. Um, so taking time to identify that feeling and then how can I properly express that feeling or emotion and how do I get myself to a better place? Does that make sense? That's awesome. Yeah. That's how, really great. How are you finding it being a teacher? I'm sure you've met a few students <laughs> that also have extreme anxiety. How is that? Um, well, actually, going to therapy has kind of been this gift because it's given me tools for myself, but it's also given me tools to help other students. Yeah. So in um, my classroom, working on the concept of taking a minute to calm down and settle um, and having those conversations of why are we feeling this way mm-hmm. and do we make the best decisions when we are elevated in any way, angry, sad, scared, even happy? Do we... Do we are we our best selves when we're in those yeah. situations? Not always. So taking a minute to calm down and identify how we're feeling. Because I think sometimes, um, especially with young people, we tend to think like, well, you shouldn't be angry at your friends. Well, no, being angry is okay. It's just how we express and manage that. Yeah. And young people aren't always, they don't have, that part of their brain isn't as fully developed. So yeah. they can't, they react. Impulse control is something we develop a lot later mm-hmm. in life. So having therapy available to me and being able to recognize that gives me tools better to help young people identify those yeah Yeah. awesome yeah when you hear the word rehabilitation what three words come to your mind so rehabilitation is so important in helping us feel like we can function in our everyday lives and be our best selves i know that sounds kind of um, cheesy but resilience is a big one Mm -hmm. knowing that it's going to be hard, but we can get through this. And just because we have a setback doesn't mean um, we need to stop. Um, another thing we talk about 
at school a lot is grit, which I guess is kind of similar to resiliency, but being able to continue going and sticking with things even when they're they're challenging, even when they're tricky, knowing that I can't do it right now doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to do it later. And then the biggest one for me is connection. For me, that's how I have gotten through anxiety is connecting with other people my family friends having people even at school that know that anxiety is something that happens sometimes and (laughs) it impacts me so having those three things like a connection especially for me is the most important can you elaborate a little bit more on that connection piece it's a unique one so I'd love if you could dive into it a little bit more and tell us about it Absolutely. So from my experience, again, I'm just speaking from what happens in my life, but when I'm feeling really anxious, the tendency for me is to pull into myself and just say, oh, I'm not going to unload this on anyone. I'm going to just manage it, which tends to sort of have a negative impact. Bottling it up. Yeah. So it festers. Absolutely. And so for me, like I mentioned my husband and I have two friends that have been through similar mental health journeys and being able to reach out and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling this way. Yeah. I need I need help. And maybe that's just a shoulder to cry, cry on. on. Sometimes it's just like being with my husband in the same room and just uh-huh. feeling how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, knowing that you're not alone. Um, that when it was really bad before I had a diagnosis, I would do this thing at school where I'd sort of just stay in my classroom and not go into the staff room. And then I wasn't interacting with adults at school at all. Yeah, I was just interacting with children. Yeah. <laughs> and children are great. Yeah. But I was sort of getting Isolating into the, yourself. Yeah, almost. absolutely. Yeah. Isolation. So for me, um, connecting with people is really how I found a way to get through it. I, I think it's so important. And I know for some people that connection is really hard. I know some people are more introverted. Yeah. Right. But for me, that is what works. I know for some people, they need a break from other people. But for me, knowing that I'm not alone in that is really important. I feel like with most recoveries, like we've been talking to a few of our guests so far, and that's also been a Mm -hmm. big thing with a lot of people, is having a support of people that have gone through similar things. Yes. To be able to talk about it as an outlet. Absolutely. And a third party too sometimes, like my counselor, who you talk to her and it's like, this is non-judgmental space. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. Absolutely. <laughs> and you can be open and yes, just not have say, to worry. Exactly. Unfiltered. Absolutely. Unfiltered conversations. Absolutely. So with respect to your support system, mm-hmm. you mentioned your husband and two friends. Mm-hmm. And I know you also mentioned losing your support system along the way. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more in terms of what your support system did look like then and how that evolved throughout your recovery? So when I first started knowing, noticing that I was really struggling, like I was not sleeping and I was having a hard time um, sort of feeling like I could do my job effectively. Um, I had, I didn't have people that were below the surface that I worked with. Um, and it's hard because I know at work you want to be professional and maintain yeah. this professional, but I felt like at that particular school I was working at, I was coming in as an outsider and everyone was really nice. Like no one, there was no unkindness, none of that. I just didn't make connections that were super deep and meaningful in the way I had before. Mm. And I think because I was missing that piece at work, I still had it at home. Like my family is great. um, My husband is great. All of that. I just, um, when I didn't have people at work that I felt like, because when you work in education, there's hard days sometimes because, yes. again, we work with little people that have a lot of emotions and a lot of needs. And there wasn't someone at school that I 
felt like I could sort of go to and say like, oh my goodness, um, I'm having this trouble with a particular student. They're having a really hard time. And that kept started making me feel isolated and keeping all of those things sort of inside. And like you said, being yeah. able to unload onto someone, yeah. I didn't have that. Was it hard when you mentioned that you went over to London, right, to teach, was it? Yeah, I was in the UK, yes. So did that contribute at all to it, being in a new area, completely new country? Absolutely. <laughs> so that was um, really tough. Um, I had moving, like moving is a really hard thing and starting in a, itself, new hard, yes. hard, a new job is a really hard thing. Um, the My anxiety really started after I got home, but in part of the reason teaching in England was so great was because I had a really great staff that I worked with there. I worked Amazing. in high school yeah. in a history department and everyone was really supportive there, uh, especially because that was my very beginning of teaching. So that was really... Um, a good way to start. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, having people there. And I think part of that was maybe the problem was I went to this really great place and I had this really great support yeah. system. <laughs> and then I was in other schools where it was just different. And right. for me, that was challenging. Yeah. How do you think your anxiety impacted your close friends and family? Absolutely. That's a great question. It's really hard. Um, again, I had mentioned those two friends who had had experience with therapy and that, and they were great support systems, but everyone is fighting their own battle. And yep. it can be really hard when you're dealing with a lot to then take on the emotions of other people and the stress of other people. Yes. And I think that becomes tricky because I had that. When I talk to people now, I sometimes like to say, like, do you have the space to deal with what I'm going to say? Because it's not fair for me to unload what I'm feeling on someone who also has their own stuff going on, stress that's going on. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think that mental health is something that affects everybody to varying degrees. We all yeah. have bad days. We all have stress. Yeah. And I think as we get become more aware of what that looks like, that becomes really important that we have to take care of ourselves, but we have to take care of each other. Right. Yep. Have you accepted your new life or your new norm, as we call it? Yes. Um, I, in knowing that there's a reason that maybe I felt the way I felt and did things that I did is really helpful. I think there's still some stigma attached yeah, to that word. I think that's still yes. something we're working on as a society. Absolutely. I think it's hard. Mental health can be a very scary label. Yes. Um, yeah. The school board that I work for is wonderful and that they are, we're really talking about mental health now, That's awesome. but I still worry that there's the stigma of people hearing the word mental health and then saying like, oh, that's not me. Yeah. And, and that's another burden we maybe don't want to take on in someone who sort of is vocal about having mental health yeah. because that might be a, a problem for, um, them, their job performance. Um, yeah. I've never experienced that. But I like being able to have that identity and owning it and saying, like, this is part of who I am. Exactly. It makes me, I think, sometimes a bit of a nightmare to deal with. Like, my husband really <laughs> he does a lot of heavy lifting there, which is great. Um, but for me, it's part of who I am. Right. Yeah. And it's part of your journey. Absolutely. Why be exactly. ashamed of it? It's Absolutely. something that you're working on and you're tackling. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree. Yeah, completely. You touched a little bit on your performance at work. Mm -hmm. Given your mental health and really owning who you are all in all, what is your opinion on the word disability? 
That's a really great question. And I love listening to your episodes that you guys have this conversation because I come from it sort of from two directions as someone who has what we would maybe call an invisible disability. Right. Yeah. But then as a teacher, um, I just, I've talked a lot about myself. I want to talk about this sort of teaching part of it. There's a big conversation in education right now, especially in our current political climate and that sort of thing. Disability is an interesting word. I prefer to use the word diagnosis. Mm, um, I like that. I like it. I like it. When, especially when we're talking about children. Yes. So, um, because right now we sort of have most children, we try to mainstream into the main, like our sort of mainstream classroom and give them supports along the way. The school board I work for, their policy is you don't need, you don't even need a diagnosis to get support. Um, if you're someone who exhibits um, that you could benefit from extra support, be tech or extra time with special teachers or EA support. Yep. That being said, having a diagnosis sometimes makes those things a lot easier which is kind of frustrating yes because we work in publicly funded education which is amazing having that diagnosis attached to a student's name can get them support faster i see and maybe so more beneficial really yes yes having that label but i know that that can be really hard yes having that diagnosis there's parents that don't like that yes label and don't want that and i'm not a parent i it's not my job space to judge that, yep. but it is a reality that sometimes having the diagnosis attached helps get services. I agree with you, and I think the issue that parents might have, not that I'm a parent myself either, but as someone who also suffers from mental health, I think the real issue, whether they'd like to admit it or not, is just the stigma around yeah, it. Absolutely. But the reality is the diagnosis mm-hmm. is the diagnosis. Yes. And, and for Lindsay and I, if we have a broken leg or a broken mm-hmm. foot, that doesn't mean that we are not able to do things, but at the end of the day, it is broken. Yes. Absolutely. And that's a diagnosis. And I think I think you're right that parents and teachers, like people worry about the label yes. holding someone back, right? That right. if yes. we put a label exactly. on a student that we're then limiting their capacity. Professional and environments too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, I get that that's really scary that we think we put this label on a child and then we're sort of sending them down a specific path to a life that's maybe limited. So my hope as an educator is that we can move to a place where these diagnoses we give students are just helping them get the support that they need so that they can be the best that they can be. Because Definitely. all of every student I've ever worked with, I've only really as a teacher worked in a mainstream classroom, are so capable despite mm-hmm. what they come to me with as a diagnosis or as a need and our education system is wonderful in the sense that everyone is allowed to be there everyone is included and by working past these sort of diagnoses and the stigma that's attached to them we hopefully are helping students be the best that they can be agreed and i think it's good too to show students that even though you may have a diagnosis, you're still in the same classroom with the other students learning the same thing. Exactly. It doesn't not, make you Yeah, you're not catered abnormal. to a little bit more. Absolutely. Right. It just makes us different, but not abnormal. We all talk about a lot in my classroom is we all learn differently, not yeah. better or worse. Exactly. And I find that the students I've had the pleasure of teaching do a really good job of being in their capacity as 10 and 11 year olds yes. of being supporting and supportive and understanding of other students and they also I notice students aren't preoccupied with diagnosis like right. they no, don't that's good they don't 
care about what that label is. Yeah. I mean, there are students who like to own that as part of their identity, which is great. Yeah. But I, if you ask students in my class about other students in my class, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have any idea really what, <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't know. Just that we have to be supportive and um, inclusive of people in our classroom. And I actually read an article just yesterday about how a lot of classrooms are becoming digitized. Yes. But the real benefit of that is not so much that things are easier to manage and you know saving the environment. The real benefit to the students is that they get to learn at their own pace. So you Absolutely. can be at the same age and the same grade mm-hmm. But you learn at a pace that's comfortable for you because the technology allows them to do that. And teachers can also manage that without having to cater to a classroom with one specific curriculum. Absolutely. There's so much great technology. Um, Even things like um, having an online classroom platform where kids can access different things based on what they need is so wonderful. Um, We have great adaptive technology like speech to text and programs oh. that will read to students. Oh, that's great. Because when we keep we keep students with their peer group, but if they're at a grade level that is behind, mm-hmm. things like reading can be, become an issue, but if yeah. we have technology lets us sort of find a way to bypass that while still supporting their needs. So we still teach students how to read, but they have this great technology that can help them be independent. That's amazing. It's awesome. Wow. And all those things you mentioned about saving the environment yeah. and all of that are, are bonuses, but technology is really a great way to be inclusive right. in the classroom. It allows for that. Absolutely. So technology advances aren't all bad. No. <laughs> no. Even though it's being said in the news. <laughs> well, I mean, there is still something important about students being able to put a pencil to paper. Yes. Right? Of and having the teacher there, I think, is so important. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Yes. <laughs> What do you think are three characteristics survivors need to have to recover successfully from any type of trauma? It doesn't need to be physical, but even mental health. Absolutely. Um, I think understanding that it's okay to be different Mm -hmm. is so important because being different is what makes us great. And we all have, like in a classroom or in a school, we all have a place that's really valuable and it's okay to be different. Um, The other thing I would say is sort of hope hope that um hope for ourselves individually but even hope for things like stigmas being reduced and yes. um being able to like we mentioned we don't like that stigma because we worry that that label because it, we worry that it will slow people down but yeah. no having hope that everybody can do anything they want to do i mean listening exactly. to your stories and knowing what you were told immediately after your yeah, yeah after your accident and where you are now like truly anything anything is possible you gotta put your mind to it absolutely and i know that sometimes sounds a bit like cheesy but i think <laughs> what therapy is teaching me is that really like your brain is very powerful very and yes. what you think you can do determination absolutely is yeah. so important and i think that that acceptance of i can do anything it just might be a little bit harder than it was before yeah. is so important because Things change all the time. Lindsay yeah. and I were talking earlier about how when we knew each other when we were little kids and what we thought life was going to be like yeah. now, it's very different. <laughs> it was so much easier then. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, things are hard, but you can you can do it. And every, like you ladies are so inspiring oh, with what you've been through. I kind of feel like my story doesn't really belong here because I didn't no, have a physical trauma. I didn't have even an emotional trauma that led to something happening. But 
we can all we're all so capable yes and everybody's going through something this is something that i say to people when they say to me oh well i feel like i can't tell you if i'm in pain or i can't right i I feel like it's insignificant and i say to people you know what everyone deals with something and we can't like we can't underplay that right everyone is important regardless i had a conversation with someone this week who said i I said something along the lines of like well but compared to what you went through it's and she said pain is pain meredith it It is exactly exactly yeah and also people experience it differently someone might have a paper cut and experience the same gravity of pain as come to a grade come to a grade four classroom you will experience (laughs) the trauma of a paper cut exactly (laughs) and actually it sounds funny but if you really think about it it's traumatizing to a child absolutely so when you look at how someone perceives pain you can't really downplay how they feel absolutely and i i think your pain and my pain and your it's all very different and very personal and i think that's part of for me at least what sort of held me back from saying i think something is wrong is because i was like well this is nothing bad my life has been pretty amazing like i haven't been through any major trauma what right do i have to be feeling like I have anxiety and like I need help when my life has been okay. And I think that's a shift we need to get away from that just because I, just because my pain looks different than yours doesn't mean it's not worthy of attention and love. Exactly. Everyone's pain threshold is different. We just have to respect Mm -hmm. that at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And we have to break this stigma. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. I agree. So you're yes. going to continue to do that as an educator. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. <laughs> All right. So if you could leave us with one piece of advice for our listeners, what could that? What would that be? Take care of yourself and take care of each other. You. Yeah. Um, we sort of said this a few times. You have no idea what other people are no. going through. And for me, the biggest help is just when someone says like hey, how's it going? How's today? And giving you that space to acknowledge how you're feeling because we need to take care of each other. We do. And part of taking care of each other is being connected and sharing. And and I know sometimes we don't have space for that and that's okay. But if you can make space for someone, even just like I've had coworkers that have been so great about just like saying like, it's so great to it's so great to see you. Like, good morning. That uh-huh. really makes you feel connected to where you makes are. A difference. Yeah. We do something at um, school coming up soon. Actually, that's called Say Hi Day, okay. and it's in response to um, the idea that all of these traumas and uh, high school students or young people who go through um, trauma where they sort of have a negative reaction is because they don't feel connected to what to their community. They don't feel like they belong, and yeah. just making sure that we're connected to each other in a positive way simple way but a positive way is so important 100% I love it thank you so much Meredith thank you so much for having me this is thanks for joining us and thanks for the advice it was a great different perspective (laughs) and we really appreciate it thank you I really I'm honored that you asked me to be here and lots of teachers out there I'm sure will benefit too (laughs) thank you so much all right thank you bye bye thank you for listening in on another episode of and then it hit me If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to share this episode with a friend or someone else who might be going through recovery. Don't forget to like and comment on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at And Then It Hit Us. Or visit our website, andthenithitus.com. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 